Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to the Michelle Meow Show. Today is Sunday, so that means we will be hearing from BB Sweetbriar. Let's welcome It's Everything with BB Sweetbriar. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of It's Everything with me, your hostess, BB Sweetbriar. It's here where we promise to bring you everything, every time for everybody. Now, we, of course, are the Sunday weekly segment of the Michelle Meow Show. So here we are on Sunday, the 20th of March. Boy, the year is flying so fast. And as we get into the spring, there's always this uh, new uh, thing about reality shows that are coming for the new season. And uh, we've got a couple of them that are are going on right now, which I had an opportunity to talk to people on those shows. Now, RuPaul's Track Race has already been going on for a couple of weeks already, and we've already eliminated three out of the 12 um, drag queens on the show already. But I happen to um, have had an opportunity to speak with one of the already kind of famous drag queens on the show she's not already aiming to get famous she's already famous um and hopefully she'll continue to go on in the process but uh we'll be speaking with uh derek barry who i'm sure you are aware is a britney spears impersonator so um i had an interesting conversation with her which i'd like to share with you also um, Real World, you guys remember Real World, who is now in their 31st season as of this past Friday. Um, and I, there is an interesting uh, person on the show, which um, at least I found him very interesting. And I think after you hear this interview, you will as well, um, who is definitely someone of interest to the LGBTQ community. But I think overall, um, anyone will find his story interesting. Christopher. Ammon is the person that I interviewed, and um, I think you're going to find his interview very emotional as well as interesting. So I guess we could call this uh, my reality show segment this week, um, since we have those two people that we'll talk to. So I, I'm not going to waste any time. I'm going to get into our interviews right away because they are full, and I don't want to cut into cutting any of them off because we've gone over our time for the hour. Um, so first up, we're going to talk to uh, Derek Berry. As I said before, uh, Derek is known as one of the best Britney Spears impersonators in the world. Um, he has turned his spot-on impersonation into a gold mine, making a very good living performing all over the world as Britney, including a regular gig in the cast of the world-famous Divas, starring Frank Marino on the Las Vegas Strip. Now, Derek Barry became a um, nationally known drag performer when he became a finalist on America's Got Talent, which you guys all might remember. Um, as requests for the Britney took a lot, um, as requests for Britney, excuse me, lookalike to perform all over the world came in, international notoriety soon follows. So, so I wanted to know, of course, and I think many of you want to know, why did, you know, this drag queen already living for the life most queens dream to make a reality in her contest such as Drag Race? So I spoke to Derek and asked him that question as well as many, many more. And I think we have Derek on the line right now. Hello, Derek. Hi, how's it going? Fine, how are you? 
I'm great, thank you. Well, congratulations right off the bat for your um, appearance on Season 8 of RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, thank you. I know. It's a, a dream that is finally a reality. Oh, wow. Well, you know, I'm sure that a lot of people have either asked you this question or I know at least they're wondering um, because you have already achieved a lot of what many of the girls who have um, applied to compete on the show or been on the show are trying to achieve, such as you have some international fame, you've traveled all over the world um, as a Britney impersonator and have made a living at this. Um, why is it that you're even a, a tr- applied to be on the show? Well, I applied because I knew that it was the only way to take what I was doing to another level. Mm-hmm. And because I get stuck in the Britney box, as great as that is, and of course I've made a living at it, I thought it was time for myself to find another avenue of me pursuing drag, but doing it in a similar style, but also stepping outside the box a little bit for me mm-hmm. as well. And I've always been interested in doing my own music, and now uh, that has come to fruition. So I'm excited to, to travel around not only as Britney, but to do my own music and looks as well. Yeah. Well, that, and that's one thing that I know that on the show is somewhat what the judges are generally looking for. I mean, is you know, put you through many different challenges, which you know, cause you to, or actually have you present different looks. So you, do you think the judges are going to, uh, you know, have, um, some time, some hard time looking past the Brittany, um, lookalike and, and try and give you credit for all the different looks that you're presenting? Well, I think it can go both ways. I mean, I've always had critics that say, well, I've had people, I say, I don't look anything like Brittany and I've had people say I look just like her. So, uh, what's, what's great about that is if some of the judges aren't familiar with my work or don't know me, then it's going to be easy for them to judge me on exactly what is in front of them and not, oh, well, we don't like this look as much as your Britney look or we don't like mm-hmm. this look as much as last week's. So I, I can't aim to please everyone, but I know that the work that I'm putting into it is definitely going to pay off because... I will turn people into fans that have maybe been against what I've been doing or saying that celebrity female impersonation isn't drag enough or, you know, I'm hiding behind a mask. But that's the great thing about drag is we get to create our own mask. And yeah. so yeah. I have to do that yeah. and, uh, and maybe turn it around for some of the judges. Yeah. Well, and the judges aren't going to be, un- well, some of them anyway, aren't going to be unfamiliar with um, having a, a female impersonator who specifically does one person on the show since Chad Michaels was on there before. And of course, you know, he's an internationally known share impersonator. So uh-huh. this won't be the first time that they're introduced to it. But what I'm hearing you say too, which is really great to hear is that it seems like you're kind of even looking um, for this, uh, for RuPaul's Drag Race to kind of show the world the depth of your art that, you know, that it is deeper than um, getting up every show just to do Britney, that you do have a mm-hmm. more depth to that, to you than that. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, in, in the first years of Drag Race, I was nervous to even audition for a show like that because I was coming off of America's Got Talent and... Mm-hmm. 
I was known for just doing one thing, and it made me nervous to audition for a show like that, that they're expecting different looks, and at that time, all I had was Britney replicas, so that's not going to get me very far in a competition, mm-hmm. or so I assumed, and I thought that it would be too limiting, and as I watched the seasons progress, and of course watching Chad on there, and even someone like Venus Delight that had really only done Madonna, uh, uh-huh. and Coco Montrese that does Janet, and um, you know Morgan McMichaels was known for doing Pink, so I was seeing my friends go on there, and even though they were known for a character, they still did drag. And so it wasn't until I started changing my makeup and really impersonating Lady Gaga that made me realize my face could be any uh, painting I want. It, you know, it's a blank canvas when I start, so it's up to me to, to change the dimensions or the angles. And that's when I started to realize that maybe Drag Race is something that I should go for because it's just one more platform to get exposure. And for people to see me as more than what they've seen me for before. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very. Now, what about the competitors that you're going to be on the show with? I know, like you said, this is the first time in a long while, though, that there aren't that many girls um, from California. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be something different that the audience is going to, you know, have to kind of get a little used to. But for you, that might be somewhat um, good because there's a lot of people on the show that you may not be as familiar with. Um, live, knowing that you live in California and or Nevada, you spend a lot of time in Southern Cal or mm-hmm. uh, Vegas, um, because a lot of these girls aren't going to have as much like, oh, I know who you are, I, I've been with you, la la la, than you had before. You think that helps you a little bit going into the when you go into the competition that you're not as familiar with all the girls that you would have maybe been, say, if you went on the show two or three years ago. Well, I think that it's always nice to have friends when you're going into any work environment, Mm -hmm. and it makes me more comfortable, or it makes me more comfortable to work with people that I know or have worked with before, but in a competition like this, I think it's actually better to not know anybody, because then it's easier to take them down without feeling like (laughs) you're ruining your friendship, or you're... uh, you're maybe making the wrong decision if you're thinking about another person's feelings. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was lucky because I knew Robbie Turner. I've worked with him before in Seattle. And um, I absolutely love and adore him. And so right right when I uh, found out that Robbie was on the show, then I thought, I, I have a friend here. Yeah. And that made me feel more comfortable because, you know, of course we've, we've, been, we've worked together in the past and we had both... Uh, auditioned before and there's nothing like you know being in a workroom and seeing someone that you've actually had a conversation with about how much fun it would be to be on the show with mm-hmm. so I also met Nisha uh, before once and so um, I had already known her and been familiar with her work but yeah nothing was like Robbie, that was very exciting. Yeah. Well, I think this is going to be one of the first shows that they've had where a lot of the contestants actually um, perform under a male name, such as Robbie Turner, such as yourself, such as Bob. Um, and I know uh, many times that the show has gone under not criticism, but definitely some type of question on trying to explain to middle America what drag's all about, 
um, what drag is transgender is all about. Um, you may not have given some thought about that, but don't, do you think this may help a little bit in people understanding that drag is an art when we have so many contestants on the show this year, which actually have male names is, is, that they perform under? Well, I would hope that people can look at it from a more theatrical point of view. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's plenty of actors and actresses that their stage name is their given name. And when I got into drag, I know that I was highly against having a drag name because of people like RuPaul. And Chad Michaels was the first drag queen I ever met Mm -hmm. and made a huge impact. And then working with Ring Reno in Vegas. So his name was in lights everywhere. And it, I just thought that, you know, there's no better way than uh, having your own name out there because then it can propel you into the entertainment business and you're not getting away from a drag name and trying to get your actual name out there. So now, you know, my Britney impersonation is just one thing that I can do as an actor under my name, Derek Barry, and then anything else I decide to do in the future is also under my name. So... I just never wanted to be put in a box where I had a name like Suck a Lot of Dicks, and then that doesn't really work well uh, on a resume. So I always thought about it as a performer, and I thought for sure um, one day I'm going to want to do something else, whether it be film, television, uh, Broadway, um, anything theatrical, Uh and I just didn't want to have to start over and, you know, put my name out there. So now at least I've built a resume for uh, over a dozen years uh, in drag. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I do want people to take it more seriously. Of all the names oh. you could have chosen, to <laughs> you had to pull that one out. <laughs> as your well, I had to think of something that I like to do, so... That's one thing I like to do. Be a great drag name. I always find it interesting what people would use as their drag name, even if they don't do drag. But I think drag queens should come up with baby name books. I think that would be really funny. Well, we're going to take a break here, and we're going to come right back with our interview with Derek Berry, currently on RuPaul's Drag Race. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.alegrecare.com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. 
So where do we start? <laughs> Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. Hello, thanks for staying with us and welcome back to It's Everything with me, B.B. Sweetbriar. And of course, we are the Sunday weekly segment of the Michelle Miao Show. And we've been speaking with uh, Derek Berry and um, we are going to continue with our interview with Derek. Now, let's, let's say you're the winner. Derek Berry is the next drag superstar um, are are we going to say goodbye to Brittany? I'll never say goodbye to Brittany. That is one one character that will never leave uh, my repertoire. I think that I've I've put too much time and energy into it to ever say goodbye to it. And I've always said, as long as I'm having fun impersonating her and doing it in the best positive light and portraying Brittany in her prime. And I mean, even right now, what she's doing is. Uh, such a monumental difference between the Britney that we saw in mm-hmm. 2007 mm-hmm. and I think that it's the most exciting time right now to continue doing Britney especially that we both are in Vegas and the only way I would ever want to give up on something like that is if she came to me and said alright I think it's time that you stop being me and start being you mm-hmm. and I'm not expecting that day to come so yeah, I would have to come from, Brittany would have to be the only person to stop me from doing it. Well, again, I want to congratulate you because I know that, you know, um, uh, spoken even with Rue and, 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 and many other people involved with their show from the other side of it, that, you know, this has mm-hmm. so much opportunity, not not just for the girls, um, the Rue girls to create careers or build upon existing careers but it really has done a lot for people to understand the art of drag um and even though Derek Berry has been a name in households across the, the world before it takes on a whole different meaning when they can understand what it is that you do not just because what you do looks uh-huh. great but they they can now understand what's behind the entertainment part of what we do you know what i mean and and i i i, yeah. I think a lot of that even makes the what you do when other people take what you do seriously as an art form, it just makes what we do even more exciting. I think, you know what I mean? It's just, 
Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, and and so um, and, and knowing all the you know all the girls and knowing all that you guys are doing out there, I applaud that you're taking on kind of that responsibility because you do kind of become an ambassador, not only for drag, but you come become ambassadors whether or not you want to or not for LGBTQ issues. I mean, for many places that you travel right. to, as you know. Um, um, or smaller towns or smaller cities that have very little exposure to gay men and women. And, you know, what they will take away from seeing you perform may be the, the biggest thing that they will ever see involving a, a, a gay individual. So you do become those ambassadors, whether or not you want to or not. How do you, how do you feel about that part of this competition and you know you will always be a rule girl and you know with that there's going to be some type of ambassadorship that goes along with this how does that how do you take that uh, I, I mean there's not a bigger honor in the world than having uh, people look up to me or be a role model in some sense and uh, I hope that I can actually inspire more people to know that celebrity female impersonation is uh, a huge art form, mm -hmm. and it's been, you know, years on the Las Vegas Strip and in shows all over the world that people love the, the art of transforming into a celebrity because it it's basically like living your own moment watching them perform live if you've never seen these people. So, I mean, of course, having Drag Race uh, put it into homes is the biggest honor and all I've ever wanted to do is inspire a younger generation to know that it's okay if you do your own drag under your own drag name mm -hmm. and it's okay if you have a celebrity that you're known for impersonating under your own name. Mm -hmm. So I, I just want, want people to realize that there's all forms of drag and uh, yeah, nothing's more exciting. I mean, I, I love to be a role model to anyone and to change the perception because I do think at times uh, especially celebrity female impersonation is a dying art form and a lot of people don't understand why you would want to go that route instead of doing your own drag but for me there's nothing more exciting as a character actor than to really mimic the way someone talks, acts, performs, dances you know, down to the little mannerisms mm -hmm. and even the recreations of, you know, the same costume. So uh, I, I just want everyone to realize that that's a, that's a true part of drag. It's not an extension of drag. It's under the, um, the same umbrella. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully, you know, I get to inspire more people to be Miley Cyrus impersonators mm -hmm. or, you know, someone out there currently that's, that's starting off so young and doing it. Yeah. And I think even sometimes too, within the, the um, family of drag, there are a lot of drag artists that have, you know, uh, uh, the wrong, the, uh, the wrong impression of female impersonators, um, you know, not just the public uh -huh. at large and, and that they look upon it differently than they would, you know, someone who may expand, in their characterizations of many people or many characters as opposed to one. So um, I think that's, right. you know, so not only the public learning about it, but I think even those in our own drag community learn 
you know, about it and learn more about it. And um, so that's also another facet of you being on this show. But I want to thank you very much for spending some time talking to me. Um, I've admired you for years. I've married you for years. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's always a joy to see people that um, always it's always a joy when I see people who I consider who have somewhat made it in what they do and, and you somewhat idolize and like, yeah, I want to somewhere be at that level and be at that, that they are still pushing their own limits. And you're you're doing that. You're doing that. You're continuing to push your own limits. And that's good for people who admire you within the field of drag to see that you continue to push yourself. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, there wasn't another show for me to do that's bigger than Drag Race. I mean, it would have to be something like American Idol or something like that, but that's going to focus in another direction. And I, I think that Drag Race was the only way for me to take what I did on America's Got Talent and expand on it. And, of course, it's always going to be fun to perform as Britney, but, you know, I just wanted another way to get my drag out there mm-hmm. and be taken more seriously instead of someone saying, oh, well, all she does is Britney. So, mm-hmm. you know, for anyone that thinks that, then maybe they should watch the show and see if they see something different. There you go. There you go. Well, thanks again, Derek, and um, I look forward to seeing you on the show and following it. Well, thank you so much. And um, you will, I will be at the um, premiere in San Francisco, so uh, maybe I'll have an opportunity yeah. to meet you in person. Great, and then check my website for uh, dates in Northern California, so you can come to anything in uh, San Francisco or Sacramento or San Jose, because I'll be doing the the North, uh, Northern Central Valley. All that. Uh, oh, yeah, coming you're up from, you're in from March as well. Yeah, you're, you're coming back home, literally. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, California was where I was born and raised, so I love going up north, and I always consider my homecoming shows in uh, Sacramento or even uh, San Francisco, but Sacramento's been really good to me uh, since I started touring in 2009. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> well, great, and I'll look forward for all of that then, Okay. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, you take care, hon. All right, you too. Okay. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Okay, bye-bye. Once again, I want to thank Derek Berry of RuPaul's Drag Race. To, uh, thank you for being on the show here on It's Everything. And we're going to take a quick break um, once again because we got to pay some bills. And when we return, we will have Christopher Ammon from Real World. Go big or go home. We'll be right back. I've been doing drag here in San Francisco for almost 20 years and uh, over the past couple of months I just opened up my club Oasis. It's been going really well. People really seem to appreciate the space. It's something people say San Francisco really needs right now because the city has been changing a lot. 
I always had this attitude of, of opening a space that was kind of like for everybody. And that's just kind of the attitude and the, the, uh, the ethics of Oasis, is it's kind of a space for everybody. How does it feel to be a business owner? I don't know, you know, it's funny because I still need to, I still have to kind of pinch myself to believe it's actually true, you know what I mean? Like I walk in there and, and I go up to the bar and I go, oh, could I please have a glass of water? You know, it's kind of like, I forget that it's my place. Running gay clubs, it's changed a lot. Um, I think that gay people now, they're everywhere. They don't feel like they have to maybe be in a gay bar all the time. So you have to be much more creative about how you are enticing people to come out to your club. I, I guess I'm successful because I'll just say it, I work really hard at what I do. I also like to provide a really quality experience for people. So yes, you know, people will pay to see my shows and pay to come to my club, but I always like, like to give them something that's worth it. The experience that they'll, they'll leave my shows going, okay, that was worth it, you know what I mean? That's just always been my attitude, um, just to entertain people. And so it seems like that works, you know. I would say to young kids, you know, just kind of form your own identity. And, uh, and you know, don't let others dictate how you should behave or think. Uh, you can always go to uh, sfoasis.com to find out about all the entertainment and nightlife that we have going on at Oasis. If you want to see drag, we've got that for you. If you want to see some queer hip-hop parties or queer dance parties, we have that for you. Spotlight on success and achievement. Brought to you by Wells Fargo. Together we'll go far. Hello and welcome back. Always, I appreciate that. I hope you enjoyed the message that you heard at the break. And uh, we're going to go right into our next interview. And, you know, when I think about uh, the real world, it seems so surreal that that show, which helped me open my eyes, and I'm sure many others too, um, their sexuality, owning up to it, and how that um, ownership could affect my family, friends, and strangers in the world is still actually around. I remember the first episode of season one in 1992, and I vividly recall real-world San Francisco in 1994 when the story of openly gay and HIV-positive Pedro Zamora um, was, uh, you know, was on, and. The show always created a space for discussion on and an exposure of like tough issues and, and whatnot. Now it's entered its 31st season this month with Real World Go Big or Go Home in Las Vegas. And it's the third time that they've actually filmed in Las Vegas. There's one castmate of interest to the LGBTQ community, which I mentioned in our show intro. Um, and his name is Chris Ammon, and he's Utah-born, but is now living in New York. And yes, as you probably guessed it, because he's from Utah, he is a queer Mormon survivor. He shares, um, lives, and explores his story on the season of the show with his six housemates. Now, Chris's story is not as uncommon as one might think, and sharing it on the show is part of his plan to help create change in the world that is still desperate need, in desperate need of learning uh, acceptance and to expose the ways uh, religion, uh, religious organizations, excuse me, propagate sexism, racism, 
bigotry, hatred, and homophobia. So, you know, this is going to be a major pleasure speaking with Chris Ammon. Chris? Hi, BB. How are you? Fine. How are you, Chris? I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> Given the odd circumstances, I feel like I'm in at the moment. <laughs> oh, oh, oh what, what, what's so odd? Well, I mean, we just finished this press docket yesterday, so that's been incredibly odd. Yeah, yeah. You're getting ready for the um, the season premiere, I guess, on, the, what, the 17th? Yeah. Yes, yes, the eye in the middle of the storm, ready for it. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, congratulations, first of all, on actually um, getting chosen to be in the house and then, you know. Thank you. Going Thank through you so the. Much. The two months of filming and getting all that done, uh, you know, I know it, it. This the the bio has you being from New York, but I know that you're originally from Utah, correct? Yes, I am. I was actually born there and went to school there. Wow. So so you know, being moving to New York had to have been a major change for you, and then being into this big. Um, 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 communal environment in Vegas, you know, had to be another. This has been quite a journey for you, um, coming from yeah. Salt Lake City. You know what I mean? It's um, definitely been because yeah. uh, you're not even not even Salt Lake. Um, they uh, Salt Lake is just the most recognizable city in Utah. But I was actually raised in. Provo, Utah. Oh, I do know that. Which mm-hmm. is a city very nearby Salt Lake. And mm-hmm. A lot of people still consider it to be in the Salt Lake area, but uh, Provo is where the major private Mormon university, Brigham Young mm-hmm. University, is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where my parents met, and that's where I was born and then lived for a number of years before moving to Idaho and then inevitably coming back to. Uh, Utah for school when I returned to Brigham Young University myself. So, oh, wow. So, yeah, so, wild ride. yeah, well, I mean, and so what's a Mormon young man like you doing in a communal house in Vegas? I mean, that's kind of, I guess that's the story. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's certainly proving <laughs> to make, make my life interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I guess to ask you a question, I, I, I was, um, so I was asked BYU and, um, made some great, great friends and, um, started coming to terms with my sexuality. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that was when I realized, uh, that, I mean, I, I had been raised very Mormon. I mean, mm-hmm. very, very Mormon. Um, almost, almost to the point of like it being kind of an extremist sect of Mormonism. Wow. Um, yes, I mean, very, very Mormon. And um, I was at BYU and like experimenting and trying all these new things. And I myself had dealt with intense just depression and anxiety for years, and they had never been able to tell me what the cause of it was. It was like clearly something beyond just chemical and no psychologist had ever been able to really address it and um, as I started like building these friendships and just coming to terms with who I was and you know in doing so distancing myself from the faith um, I just found that I was so much happier mm-hmm. and um, 
that was kind of the big difference, like the big change for me was I realized, you know, like when I take risks and I trust myself rather than this church and this religion I've been doing for my entire life, like I find that I am so much happier and I learn so much. And so when this opportunity with MTV presented itself, I jumped on immediately because I thought, you know, like anything I can do to push myself and push myself outside of my comfort zone is ultimately just going to make me happier. I mean, mm -hmm. it's proved to do so for the last three years, so it would make this any different. And ultimately it did. It was an amazing experience. Well, how is your, um, um, I mean, how is your relationship with, you know, your old world? So, you know, using using trying to use the, the real world in there somewhere. How with your old world? Um, how how is your relationship with all those involved with that? Parents, oh, I, it, family, it, it, the church itself. Yeah, it has been incredibly strained. Um, I, I I haven't spoken to my mother since the show, mm -hmm. um, except for the one conversation we had where she threatened to sue me for defamation. On and we concluded the call by encouraging each other to speak to each other's lawyers. <laughs> uh, and, and it was simply because she felt like I was defaming this faith, that it's so important to her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there's very much like a culture of, it's like, the, like how the military has been in the past. Um, very much don't ask, don't tell. You know, like if you are having doubts about yourself, if you are having doubts about the faith, then just sit where you are and do not say anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, I mean, I've clearly, like, I just got off of this uh, this show. I'm a very self-expressive person, and so to be stifled like that just was very, very hard for me. And um, now that I'm out, like, speaking my mind and talking, talking openly about the struggle that I went through both while Mormon and now after leaving the church, um, I, I've all but lost contact with my mom's entire side of the family. All been, <laughs> been all but disowned by them. Yeah. Um, there was a time where my dad and I, who are incredible, who have been incredibly close, I, I nearly had to lose, like I nearly lost our relationship because what I had said about the faith was so disconcerting and so like alarming for him. Um, was like uninvited from both my mother's and my sister's weddings. Um, it, it was, I, I, I can't even tell you, I, I probably well, I can, get. I can imagine. Uh, I can Facebook imagine. Message today, you know? <laughs> I, I can um, imagine. But, but you, you obviously had though, I mean, um, you had a purpose for being on the show, not just for, you know, the sake, oh, I'm on television, definitely, but there, there's definitely yeah. something that you wanted to gain out of being on the show. Now that you've finished filming it, do you think that you've accomplished what you wanted to by being on the show? I think it started taking the steps it will take to do so. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I ever would have been able to take start taking those steps had I not done this. Mm -hmm. You know, ultimately, I went... I went on the show to talk about the ways in which religious organizations propagate discrimination, bigotry, hatred, racism, and homophobia. Mm -hmm. And um, having come from where I did, and you know, I myself being queer, it, it it has really become a personal battle for me. Just you know, because I I look at my life, and for most of my life, I would have been classified as a 
white, upper middle class, Christian, cisgender, straight male. Mm-hmm. And that awarded me just ludicrous amounts of privilege. And anyway, I mean, anybody who comes out, I think a big part of that is realizing, like, I am now going to have to sacrifice a large amount of privilege because there's still so much work to be done in the world to make sure that people who are LGBTQ have the same rights and privileges that everybody else does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think I just realized, like, having had such a dramatic shift in my life and having firsthand example, <laughs> like, seeing firsthand... Um, how my, like, rights, I mean, so many of these rights were just gone mm-hmm. after I came out. Um, that was, that was kind of like my call to action and realizing, like, okay, you've got to do something big with your life to help create this change in the world, and the real world is going to be the first step in doing so. Yeah, yeah, in a big way. We're going to take a break real quick, and when we return, we will be back with Real World's Go Big or Go Home's Chris Ammon. We'll be right back. is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.ale. G-R-E-C-A-R-E dot com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. Well, welcome back as we enter our last segment of today's uh, episode and of course we are talking with 
Chris Ammon of Real World, Go Big or Go Home. And we just got through talking about his experience um, uh, growing up Mormon and growing up queer. And we're going to continue with our conversation with Chris um, on this interesting topic. I believe that once you once you establish that everything that you want to accomplish now will be accelerated. And um, so I, I guess I'm really wondering if you thought about that. You know, it's one thing trying to take the steps you want to take at your pace. You know, we all do that. Like even with coming out, people have to do it in, on their time, on their terms, you know, when it's right yeah. for them. There's no you do it here, you do it now, you do it when it's right for you. But now you're entering yeah. the time where you're going to be the world, the real world will now be into your life they will know you won't know theirs but they will know yours and with that everything that you want to do now is is accelerated and i just want to know if you've given some thought to how what you pace you might want to be going things at might become a lot faster and you'll be thrust into things you are now going to be thrust chris my friend into being into being a poster child and I just want you to understand that because there are you know you know there are hundreds of thousands of people out there with similar stories of yours you know whether from a religious standpoint who have who have suppressed who they were I mean to the point where they didn't even know that there was a something that they had to suppress but they've been suppressed because of their their religious teachings and um, their yeah. faith and what they lived in. There, there are hundreds of thousands of youngsters out there like you. And because you are now a celebrity, yeah. there's going to be pressure put upon you to now help them and address them and to speak for them. And um, yeah. I just want to know, have you thought about that? Yeah, I... Oh, shit, I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I mean... No, it's... it's, it's, it's it's really important to me, and I, I'm glad you asked. Um, I, uh, wow, um, in the midst of this whole process, um, I had a group approach me, and um, the group is called Mama Dragons, and they're a group of women who are both current mothers or former mothers of um, LGBTQ Mormon teens, mm-hmm. and um, they're a research group that has gone around Utah and um, provided support to families of teenagers who have killed themselves because of their sexuality and their place in the church. Mm-hmm. And um, in November of last year, I don't, I'm sure you saw, but the church um, published a new uh, a new handbook of guidelines, and in it said that same-sex couples are considered to be apostates in the church, no longer members of the church, and that their children cannot be baptized unless they are 18, they move out of the house, and they disavow their parentage. So they essentially have to say, like, this unit that has raised me and turned me into who I am is entirely wrong, and I want nothing to do with it. And that's the only way that they then qualify for baptism. and. Since that was published in November, so annually, um, the average number of 
LGBTQ teens who killed themselves is 34. Mm-hmm. And um, 34 kids. And um, since November of last year, 34 kids already killed themselves. Wow. Third. Um, Took your time. When people ask me, like, like the one you did, like, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. I don't think it was. I think I was very scared still. But when I learned that my story is a story that so many people will never get to tell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's when telling it became so much more important. Mm-hmm. You're a beacon of strength. And, um, which is very, no, you know what I mean. It's, um, and I think. Thank you. That's very nice. No. And, and, and many people, um, you know, I consider myself sometimes to be a very strong person and, um, I'll see other people experience things. And of course they may handle it differently than I would have. And, and instead of judging that, I find that I find myself wanting to be, to take on, um, not their weakness, but their vulnerability and, um, be strong for them, you know, and that's, and that's a lot to do, but for me, it almost puts my perspective of why I'm overly strong. You know what I mean? It's like, sometimes it goes like, that didn't affect me that way. And I'm wondering why it didn't affect me that way. And then I keep thinking, well, maybe it didn't affect me that way because I was meant to be strong for others as well and not just strong for myself. And, and maybe sometimes that's what it is. Like, like you're saying, it's like, I need to tell my story because really you're being strong for those who can't or, you know, and, and that's, and that's a good thing. And, um, but, you know, like I said, now that you're on this, this show, all of that's going to be accelerated and, you know, uh, it, it's going to it's going to test you. And I'm glad that you've put that in perspective um, because, um, you know, you're 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 an important person. We all are important, but you're an important person. And, um, you know, I'm glad that you've had an opportunity to to grow during this show, but as well um, display a lot that is not, I mean, I think a lot of people think that your story is uncommon. And, you know, as we just kind of mentioned, or at least I stated on here is that, you know, there are so many, so many people that have gone through what you're going through, you know, and unfortunately haven't come out. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately haven't come out with the same results. And, um, you know, that's what I think telling of your story on the show and being present on the show is really important. And kudos to to um, MTV for recognizing the strength that your story will have for others. And I think that's kind of cool. Oh, they, they've been so incredibly supportive. MTV has been so incredibly supportive mm-hmm. of just me and my process. And I, I will be grateful for the rest of my life. For well, that. You, um, yeah. I and, mean, because- and, and, I, and I, I can't, you, there's no way you can thank somebody enough for like helping you realize, first of all, your potential. And then also realize that, what you can say could be something that actually is quite a force for good in the world. You know, like yeah. I just, I will be grateful for them forever. Well, real world kind of has a history of doing that. I mean, they, they presented, you know, so many different, um, you know, stories out there that have ultimately, I mean, from day one, I mean, we got, we can't forget Pedro's story. Um, 
you yeah. know, oh my God. from yeah. day uno here in San Francisco when Real World started. So, um, you know, I, I think this just kind of adds to um, the history of the show and the significance. I mean, first of all, you got to think this has been around for 31. I can't believe that. It's just kind of weird for yeah. for longer than you are of age. And, it's, you know, not many shows can say that of any level, of any type, primetime, you know, dr- series, whatever. And to think that this show started, you know, um, this type of cable type of show started in the back wings. And, and you know, now it's like such a, a major force of of today and now and and all of that and I think it's just kind of wonderful how even with the popularity of the format it hasn't changed the mission of the show. Oh and, yeah. And I like that. Well, and um I and that is I think not to give too much away about our season, but I think the thing that surprised me the most about this process was how authentic it really was. There were no scripts. There was no prompting. It really was seven people in a house just figuring out how to understand each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think people will see, especially from our season, um, maybe an element that has not been as present in some of the seasons that have taken place in the last several years, but there was an honesty and a realness and an attention to you know, who we were as people and what we represented mm-hmm. that I thought was very, very unique for our season. And as a result, I think people will be really pleased to see that the same types of issues that were talked about in episode one of the first season of Real World are being made very, 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 um, I, I guess they're just, they're very, very present in mm-hmm. our season as well. Mm-hmm. And right. I think that will be really rewarding for people to see because you, you like, people will get, that's the crazy thing. <laughs> the whole thing is like, what people see is us. Yeah. Like what people see is me as a person. And that, I, that's, that's incredible. Great. You know, that, that a group of, well, essentially I'd call them filmmakers because yeah. what they did was really art. We got to watch some of the episodes and it, I think it'll be very, very powerful. I'm very, very proud of what we all made together. Was it difficult for you to return back to New York after um, your time in Vegas? Oh, God, no. I, <laughs> I had that text three months, so. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, I think within, like, 72 hours of, like, being off the show, I was, like, in a shower with this, like, beautiful guy, and I was like, thank God. You know? <laughs> <laughs> How wonderful. How wonderful. Well, I'm sure, <laughs> well, I'm sure you guys will be doing like they normally do. I know you guys end up doing, like, a chore around the country and um and you know make yourself accessible to all of your fans and 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 whatnot as as time goes on with with the um, airing of the of the season and um i'm sure you'll find um have you ever been to san francisco yet uh only once only once okay and uh very much on a layover so i'm very excited (laughs) yeah you know i i always always say when people come out to um to the terms of their sexuality you know their queerness um that you've got to make a trip to san francisco because um 
you know, they call us the gay mecca of the world, and I don't think that's extremely true as far as um, populace or, you know, percentage of people in the city that are gay versus, you know, other places. I don't, I know we're not the gayest in that term, but this this city is one place where being who you are is almost like so, it's so like non-important <laughs> that you don't, it's almost kind of scary because you don't stick out. And so many of us do want to stick out. It's like, you kind of don't, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you're not the queer man on the block anymore because they're all queer. They don't really care. So it's like, so it's like it's, it's real, you just kind of blend in. But I know that for me and for who I am and for what I do, um, you know, I make my living out of my queerness and, um, and all of that kind of stuff that I could not do it anywhere else in the world. And I, it is very difficult to live here as far as expense-wise as it is to live in New York. Um, yeah. And there are other places that I could definitely live a lot better because of the affordability of it. But I could never, I could never put a price tag on the happiness that I have here. So, oh, um, God. Oh, I imagine. Yeah. Well, and if no one tells you this enough, from writer to writer and from queer to queer, what you do is incredibly important. I, I mean, like, I can't even tell you. When I was still closeted and as a kid, you know, I, I think it's, I've, I've always loved writing. It was, it is my like outlet mm-hmm. for everything. And um, I'm working on a book right now to, to talk about all of this that's happened. And, and, and uh, God, it has been so painful because like yeah. writing is so intimate and it's so hard. And then so many people read this thing that you've created and put so much into it and you just kind of like throw it out into the world. And, and I just, I, I mean, like, Sorry if I'm, like, over-flattering you. <laughs> but, it, like, queer journalism is so important to me because it, it helped me come to terms with who I was in a time where, like, I was sneaking into my parents' office in the middle of the night to, like, go read articles on in, out, and stuff, you know? Yeah. So I just, like, knew what I was dealing with. And it's very important. So, thank you. That's, that's, well, no, you're, thank you're you. You're doing something very good. <laughs> well, thank you. I think I, I you know... Um, no, thank you for just being open and being on a show which re- basically requires you to be open and requires you to um, expose yourself, you know, um, to the world and just being open to doing that and, and, and dropping, being vulnerable to that. And, um, and you know, I'm glad that the outcome of you being on the show, you've, you've accomplished what you wanted to get out of it. And, um, you know, that's that's very important for you as a person and for others out there who need to see this. So um, so thank you very much. And thank you for spending the time with me on the phone. I really appreciate that. No, I I look forward to seeing the the season. It's going to be amazing. And I look forward to um, watching your growth and watching your impact. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Enjoy the day. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. I want to thank uh, Chris and, and excuse me. I want to thank Chris Ammon once again for being on the show. Of course, Chris is on Real World, Go Big or Go Home, which is the 31st season, can you believe it, of MTV's Real World. I don't know why I'm having a hard time saying that. Real World. There you go. Um, Now, you can check um, your local listings on when it may come on on MTV for you on your 
area. So um, check that and don't miss it. I'm sure um, you will find um, it very exciting. All the people in the house are probably very exciting too. I listen to their stories and um, I'm really excited about it. But that concludes our show for this week. Um, I hope to have you back next weekend. Uh, again, this is It's Everything With Me. Your host is BB Sweetbriar. We are the weekly Sunday segment of the Michelle Meow Show. And until next Sunday, I will bid you goodbye. Have a good one. Thanks so much for joining us. For all of our programs, head to michellemeow.com.